Okay, our text is 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 1 through 5. And I, this morning I, I preached to you from Revelation chapter 20. Now we're not going back there. We, we covered that this morning. What I want you to see is that there is a judgment on the unsaved. And they, at that judgment, they, they're going to, the white throne judgment, they're going to hell. I mean to the lake of fire really is what it's called. And they'll be casting that lake of fire. All that were in hell already, who are separated already from God, they are caught up before that white throne. And then the second death forever separated from God. Uh, when they're at the white throne, they're going to be judged for every work they've done in this life, every word, every thought, every everything. Nothing is hid. It's all written in the books. Now, only those who are in the book of life will be saved, but there will be none coming from hell that are saved, okay? And so, they will be cast forever. Let me just say this, that although there are various degrees of punishment in hell or in the lake of fire, it's worse for some than it is others, the best place in that final lake of fire and the best place in hell now is a billion trillion times worse than what people would call the lowest place in heaven. Now, there's not really a lowest place in heaven. It's just that some will have more rewards in heaven than others. But those that have the least are not in a low place at all. And so, having said that, we read 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, just to go back over this. In this uh, little series that we're having on revival meeting or revival, because there is a difference. And I'm just not referring to our revival meeting that we had Revival, I just want to see that the revival is, is bringing back to life maybe something that's dead in your life or something that uh, has been let go of and, and it just needs to be revived with a commitment of from now on, this is all that's going to be me. This is what I'm doing for Jesus from now on. That's the life that he, he called me to do after I was saved and I got started right, but then I went another direction. Well, that needs revived. You don't go away from the callings of God. You stay true. And, and do those things that he'd have you to do. So, he says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. Okay, now he's not even saying I don't even judge myself. Why, why would he say something like that? I don't judge my own self, because he realizes that we, in our humanity, still having that old nature in us, uh, tend to grade on the curve. Okay, in other words, uh, it's not really that bad. Well, okay, yeah, I could have done better, but really, you know, and, and I'm all right. Look at some of these other people. I'm all right. No, that's not the way you, that's why you don't judge yourself. The Lord is the judge, okay? And he uses his word to judge. Jesus said in, in John chapter 12, by his words that we would be judged, okay? So, uh, by the word of God. And Jesus was the living word, by the way. So, uh, he says in verse 5, Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. 
then shall every man have praise of God. Now let me just say that 1 Corinthians chapter 4 here is addressed to Christians, to the saved. The judgment seat of Christ is where we go. It's not going to send anybody to hell from there. They're saved. But there will be loss of reward, and that will be a shame. You know, people say God's going to dry all tears from our eyes, and that's true when we read that in Revelation. But you know there's two or three times that tears are dried from their eyes in Revelation. It's not just once. And I believe the last time is after the white throne judgment when they are cast into that eternal lake of fire, and then the eternal kingdom of God comes into place. And that last time the tears are dried from, why would there be tears again there as they're getting started into the eternal reign? Because they're going to see people cast into the lake of fire that they should have witnessed to. They're going to see people that they misled. They're going to see people going to hell because their witness failed. They, they didn't witness. They didn't try. We're to try. Not everybody's going to get saved. Not everybody got saved that Jesus preached to. Not everybody got saved that Jesus preached to. You see, it's, well, my method of how to lead a soul to the Lord is so much better than their method. They won't get saved with their method, but my method, they'll be, no. Come on, who do you think you are? You think you're doing something when it's the Holy Spirit of God that does it. So, really, what I'm saying is, is that if you're going to uh, do God's will, God's way, and God's timing, you're going to be a witness for the Lord wherever you are. Your life is going to be holy and acceptable unto God. And that last time of drying tears from our eyes, perhaps seeing a loved one who died without Christ, perhaps seeing children, children that you might have taught in Sunday school, children that played in your neighborhood, that played with your children and never got a gospel witness. So, just think on those things, because now this last passage here is looking at the judgment seat of Christ. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I pray now as we go into your word tonight that you would just make it clear and understandable. Lord, I lack that ability that you have, and so Lord, I pray thy Holy Spirit would enlighten each and every person in this auditorium, those watching on live stream, those watching on uh, there, and, and the Holy Spirit will be speaking to their heart as if they were just sitting right here in this auditorium. And then for those listening on WTYG, Lord, I just pray that as they listen, I pray that the Spirit of God would also strengthen, encourage, convict, and direct those hearts as well. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Okay, now as we go back, I want us to look at verse 4, because we left off at verse 3 the last time we were in this last week. For I know nothing by myself, yet I am not justified by my works. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. That's why he said in the previous verse, I don't judge myself. He that judges me is the Lord. Be more concerned about what God knows of our inner man. Now remember at the flood, God saw that the thoughts of the hearts were only evil continually. In other words, man was judged, that flood came and destroyed a world. 
after there, there's Noah. I mean, he's preached and he's preached. 120 years he's preaching. And people aren't getting saved, but they were warned. There was a gospel witness. And so God knew the inner man of those people and they needed to be saved. Well, in this like matter, we need to have that heart ourselves for the souls of men. Not everybody is going to get saved that you witness to, but my goodness, at least witness to them because later someone else may lead them to the Lord. I found going into homes and leading people to the Lord that the fruit, that the seed was already put in their hearts before I got to that house. I've found that a lot of times to be the truth. And so, my friend, let me just really encourage you to be that witness. Give that gospel track. You may not see them get saved, but you might meet them in heaven that can tell you, I got saved reading the gospel track you gave me. So, uh, you be faithful in that. But be more concerned about what God knows of your inner man than what people think of you or how they judge you. Uh, and people will let you know their opinions if they have a, ch uh, a chance to when they think lower of you than what they ought to think. And so, uh, just read. Meditate on God's Word. Asking Him to give you the perception. Asking Him to give you the understanding to be guided by the Word of God in all courses of your life. In your walk. In obedience to God. God gives you direction if you'll pray, listen to His Word, and He'll direct you in the way that you ought to go. You see, God gifts you with the spiritual gift. The moment you're saved, He gave you a spiritual gift. Most, a lot of people, a lot of, that are saved, and I believe they are saved, they haven't really found what the gifts were that God wants because they're not searching for it. They don't, aren't doing the will God has for them because they haven't sought God's heart. What do you want me to do? And so, it's all by, all by your relationship with God where you find those things out and He begins to speak to your heart. And as you read word, the Word of God, He'll begin to lay things on your heart. If you're going to be serious about Lord, whatsoever you saith for me to do, I'll do it. That's where it begins. And uh, I, I say that because I believe that that's going to be part of the judgment seat of Christ. Just how much did we seek the Lord? Because we're told to seek ye the Lord while he may be found. So in your walk in obedience to God by his Holy Spirit through his Holy Word, remember people may speak against you. They may run down. They may make false accusations. They may say all kinds of things. But understand, even though they may claim the name of Christ, be saved, they too will give account of themselves to God. And that gossip, that scorning, that finding fault may cost them reward that God had laid up for them. And it may be that God gives that reward to you. So don't really dwell on what they're saying about you or what they think about you. They might find out that you exceeded them in righteousness and true holiness. Now, don't think that you do, 
God will reveal that when you get to heaven. You seek to live righteously and in true holiness all the days of your life. But God will reveal that at that time. So don't measure yourself with other men. We're not to be measured under men. What we're measured to, we've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. The glory of God is Jesus Christ. That's our measurement, Jesus Christ. He is our example. So follow that example. Uh, and it's just that. You see, you remain faithful. It's going to build your reward. And if they're saying things about you, they're running you down, they're making false accusations, you feel like they're attacking you, rejoice, the Bible says. You know, we read that last week. Rejoice, Jesus said in the Sermon there on the Mount. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. You don't have to say anything bad about those people, mean to those people. <laughs> you might give them a thank you card for building your reward to great. But uh, they, they say those things. Why? Because the devil's trying to trip every believer that he can. We're told clearly, as Christians, that our adversary is the devil. Okay? And so he will try to make us fall. Don't try to judge yourself. Rather, serve the Lord according to his word. And that's a daily thing. That is a constant review of what am I doing? I should read that word. Am I fulfilling this? Am I doing this? Uh, allow his word. And His Holy Spirit through that Word to lead you each step of the way. You need not judge yourself, rather, knowing that God judges both the work that He ordained for you, which He gives you. Just think of this. The work He's ordained for you. I don't know what it is because God doesn't tell me what His will is for you specifically in now, I do know some specific wills. In everything, give thanks unto God, for this is your, that, that, that's your duty. Everything, give thanks unto God. For, we're told that. That's our call. Pray without ceasing. That is our call. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. Ye are my, that is his call. So understand, you do have a call of God on your life. We all do. And we all give an account for our own personal way in which we respond. I mean, when you look at first one, I'm a minister, I'm a, a steward. How important is it to be a minister of God and a steward of God? I tell you what, that's, that's scary when you think of the accountability that goes along with that. But we're all accountable for what we do. And we need to have that walk with God so we'll know what to do. Whatever God has for you to do, that needs to be the motive of your life. The very motive that governs your life. It ought to be love for, for and, and obedience to God. This is where most of us, if not all of us, need that revival, that need that life back in our lives that has that urgency, that has that energy 
to want to carry out what God would have us to do, whether it's teaching a Sunday school class, whether it's working on a bus route, whether it's the door-to-door visitation, whether it's that going to visit the hospital and visit people there, whether it's helping with the jail ministry, whether it's something else that God has given you to do, do it. Do it. We're not all given the same thing. But do what He has given you to do. I have to do that. We all have to do that. Ask God to reveal to yourself the spiritual need, the spiritual lacking that I have, that you have. Ask Him to reveal it. And then in repentance and consecration to God, Commit to whatever that is. You see, revival, to me, in a Christian's life, is like a commitment in marriage. You made a decision in revival meeting, you made a commitment from now on to Jesus Christ. Okay, Lord, I'll drive that bus for a few weeks, but that's all I'm going to do it. You didn't make any kind of commitment at all. You're just trying to get the Holy Spirit off your back. You see, and there's a difference there. So you must come to Him, and it must be in our inner man, in that innermost person of us, our heart attitude. That as the song, we've said this last week, as the song says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in the way that best glorifies the Lord who died for my sin, paid my penalty for me. Oh, I can't do anything that would be equal payment for what He's done for me. None of us can. But lead me in that way everlasting. Allowing God, allowing Christ to judge your actions and ask Him to reveal it to you as you read His Word and His Holy Spirit opens your understanding and enlightens you to it. And then, try me to judge my works. Just put my works on trial, Lord, and my walk, which is the attitude and the heart of true and real revival, and a real and true relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Religion is not designed to make us feel good about ourselves, but rather God has given us His Son, His Holy Spirit, that we might have a personal relationship and walk with Him. And so, As you think of that, and it becomes true in your heart, it's like a revival to bring back to life that that should be there. And to think ahead, that decision and that commitment might be very, very, very needful 
and very impactful on your progeny. Those children, those grandchildren that come after you. Full conversion to the woke culture that this world is going today and they're trying to get your children whether you know it or not. Well, my child would never go to that. Don't kid yourself. Your child has a free will. And guess what? There's going to be a day you have that little one at home. They're just so good and they're so nice and so, so wonderful. But just understand, there's going to be a day where that child is fully, fully tempted by the devil and you're not going to be there to do anything about it. And they're going to have to have the strength of character and learn by the walk of God what you've taught them in the home, what you've taught them in the Word, in those family altars, how they grew in there. That's where they will get the strength if they will exercise that free will to walk with God and go His way instead of what the devil is digging out there for them to go. Now, don't forget, we can read of great men in the Bible that fell. They got back up again. Just think of David from that rooftop and looking over his rooftop and seeing Bathsheba. You don't think the devil set that up? And what he dangled for him, his flesh wanted. And because his walk with God at that point obviously wasn't what it was, because if it was and it was staying true, it would not have given in. That's true for any of us. That's why the prayer in Psalms 51 is so important. Where he says to clean him. To restore unto him the joy of his salvation. Create in me a clean heart and a right spirit. But he said he wanted the joy to Restore the joy of his salvation. He was saved, but he lost his joy. He lost his walk with God. And it cost him a child. And it cost him much more than that. But God restored him, and God can restore. You might say Psalms 51 is a revival passage and what it took to come back to life in the spiritual realm that had gotten away from the Lord. Yes, the world today wants a full conversion to this woke culture of your children. That's why they want it in the schools. That's why they want it in the colleges. That's why they want it everywhere it is. That's why socialism, that's why uh, Marxism, that's why all of those things are there and people try to deny it. But when you're going by the very principles of those things, that's what it is. And don't try to cover it with something that is not true. Because that's going to be disastrous and it's going to happen in your home or your grandchildren, whichever it may be, If we go on without true revival in our heart. Revival decisions are important. 
church decisions, when you come forward in the church service and made that decision, that's important because you're not promising me anything. You're promising God. This is a personal transaction between you and God. You know what I found in revival meetings over the years as a pastor? I guess I remember the first time I was in a revival meeting as a pastor where a lot of people came forward and I thought, man, this thing's going to take off now. Praise God, it's going to take off. And most of those people had abandoned those decisions in a hurry. Even many that said they got saved there and was so happy they didn't even follow up in baptism. You see, a revival decision in our day has too often been abandoned within months, even within weeks. I would say even within days. Meaning that decision was never a life decision. Oh, I was serious. You may have been serious, but it wasn't a life decision, a commitment decision. That decision failed because it was only of your emotion and not of the heart relationship and saying, Lord, you're speaking to me. I'm committed to it. So that takes us to verse 5. Verse 5, which gives us a very, very important message of examining yourself by the Holy Spirit. God's Word and the Holy Spirit. More than the, I guess you might say, more than anything else, it's got to be the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will speak through a preacher. The Spirit of God will speak through people. But the main thing is the Spirit of God also and mainly speaks through the Word of God. And that's why your walk has to be daily with God. Verse 5 says, Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. We told you this morning of the things that were written in the books in Revelation chapter 20. All the works, all the things of those who died without Christ, all the things, every thought and deed of their life was written down. They died without Christ. They're going to be cast into the eternal lake of fire. Right now they're in a place called hell that has fire and torment, but it's not as bad as the lake of fire that will follow. Everything. They, when they begin to say, well, Lord, I, this and that, and I, you know what? And then they show them everything, and they'll know they deserve to go to hell. Especially when they're at that white throne and they realize the holiness of God. At Christ's coming, He will reveal the hidden things of darkness. You can hide those things from a friend. Somebody you've wronged. You can hide things from your spouse. You can hide things from your family. And it's under the guise of, well, I really don't want to hurt them. Or go through all the questions and the doubts and all of those things that go along with it and the hurt. I don't want to be responsible for that. And, so, and, and, and I'll just hide it. And I'll ask God to forgive me. 
But this passage is to save people. Now we're talking about the judgment seat of Christ for the saved. And the hidden things of darkness are revealed. Those sins which are so shameful and hurtful to your spouse and your family that it, and, and anybody else, your fellow believers, your friends, not only will they know, but if you've got saved children, they're going to know too. They're going to know. Your friends, all who are in heaven, all that were in the heaven that are in heaven from the ages past. Just understand. A lot of people are going to be in that thing, but that's not going to make it any easier. The Bible's clear at his appearing. Talking about for Christians. Some will have confidence and some will be ashamed. Greater shame than the trial that you thought you escaped. And you thought you were escaping it because you're just through love saying, I love them and I don't want to put this hurt on them. And you cunningly kept it hidden in this life. Only the hidden things of darkness are then revealed. But not just that. The counsels of the heart. Don't miss the impact of that. The impact of hidden sin. You'll make it right then. But making it right then, I mean... And, and, and that'll, that is something that will happen, and they will have the heart to forgive better than they would right now. But you're not waiting for that heart. You want to get those things taken care of right before God because that's determining reward or lost reward. And you don't want to keep it hid from them at the cost of lost reward. That will be a shame. That lost reward will be manifest because then it'll be too late to regain that reward. Do anything you can to get things right. But if you wait, it'll be too late. You'll realize that the consequences in this life was not worth the shame that you have in heaven for being a weakling, a weakling morally, a weakling in faith. And it's revealed before all who are in heaven. You know, one of the hardest things that I have in verse 5 of understanding is then shall every man have praise of God. How would you praise God when the counsels of your heart and those hidden things of darkness that you kept hidden from your family, you kept hidden from your friends, you kept hidden from everyone else. How would those things of darkness, would you be given praise after they've been revealed? I think it's because then we'll realize how important that song was. 
amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved, and you'll realize the truth of the statement, a wretch like me. Then we understand. There's the thief. He may have stopped, got saved, stopped stealing. He stole $100 here. He robbed a bank. He robbed a store. He might have taken $100. He might have got away with $1,000 never was caught. But he never went back to make it right with them. He asked God for forgiveness. He asked God to save him. But he didn't get it right. That'll be revealed. That'll be revealed. Yes, that thief who stole and then got saved and he stole no more. But he hid the things of darkness from those whom they affect. The cheating spouse who kept those hidden things, they're still what the world calls a slut. That is somebody who would cheat on their marriage, whether it's sexual, or whether it's in another way, they cheat. And there are things they hide. That day is made known in heaven. The liar, the sower of discord, is still a liar and a sower of discord until they die. If they don't make it right with those whom they've wronged. Well, you don't know what they'll say about me. You don't know what they'll do. No, I don't. But you don't think God is sufficient? You don't think God is sufficient to meet the need? He's there for you. And so, when you think of that which is abominable to God, like the people who sow discord in a church with their gossip, God calls that the sower of discord abominable. That one that scorns, they're abominable. They make God sick in his stomach to do that to his house and to his people. You might have hid it from people, hid it from people you just really beat down and said things so much, many things about them. You may hide it from them, but you're going to be caught. Just think of this. There's a murderer who got saved, but he kept it hidden because of the consequences he didn't want to face on that. He will wish he would have turned himself in when he gets to heaven and realizes the greater shame that is there. Then and only then will we have praise of God realizing the great Great, great greatness of His grace. That grace that saved us. You know, you look up at verse 2 again, and he said, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. 
You're a steward of the salvation that God's given you, of the gifts that He's given you. It's required that we be found faithful. Oh, the shame of our pride that feared the earthly present consequence more than the heavenly shame of it all. And it's being revealed before all heaven, including your ch children, your friends. And it's there, whereas you could have made it right here with whoever you sinned against, whoever you sinned with, could have tried to make it right here. And you didn't. And things you would have never had to confess on this earth to those friends, to that spouse, to your children, will be revealed up there that you did not try to make it right. The hidden things of darkness will be revealed. Have your light right. Have it right. Being saved only so as by fire is not a blessed thing that you really receive glory for in heaven. Keep yourself true. That's what a revived spirit is all about. And again, I'm not talking about a revival meeting. I'm talking about a personal relationship that says, Lord, renew the strength, renew within me that right heart, the clean spirit, a clean heart and a right spirit. Renew that within me. I want to be right with you. Show me what to do. Show me how to do it. Guide me. Direct me. And if there are consequences, give me the strength that comes from you to face it all. But you know what? He said, yeah, boy, Pastor, you got it on those things. But don't just point and think of other people at this moment. What about those decisions that you made in a church service at Revive, or maybe at home, just reading the Bible yourself? You made those decisions, and now you're not being true to them. Oh, boy, I'm going to be a witness. And you don't. Oh, man, I'm not, not going to go to the movies. I don't want my children to get those kind of standards in their lives and have that before them to entertain them and then to think that that's not going to affect them. No, I'm not going to do that. Oh, no. Look, get it right. Get it right. The counsels of your heart that are turned from following those promises of God that try to justify in your heart why I don't need to be in church. That's goodness gracious. Wednesday night. Lord knows I work hard all week, so why should I be there on Wednesday night? Oh, why should I go back Sunday evening? I, I was there Sunday morning. I heard the word. I got in Sunday school. I got in church service. We had music. So why do I have to go back Sunday night? You know what? It would be better to say, I get to go back because I'm going to hear about my Jesus. I'm going to learn from His Word. You see, the heart isn't there. You're not going to be there. And the very command of God is suddenly abandoned and forgotten. Yes, 
God deals with you, it will affect others who love you and care for you. So let me show you just one final problem here. And, you know, I look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 4 through 7. Right after Proverbs, that book of Ecclesiastes comes. I mean, Proverbs, a book of wisdom. Then Ecclesiastes follows up, says in verse 4, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. You know, there are Reformed theologians and others try to say, well, a vow is not for today. You know, they try to figure out a way to get out of obeying God. They get a, figure out a way when God calls not to really give a vow to do it. I still find it interesting that they say that uh, vows aren't for today, but if they got married, they made vows. And those vows were made before God. So, you know, they make themselves a liar by trying to invent something that goes against the Word of God. Well, that's Old Testament. Yeah, thou shalt not kill is Old Testament. Thou shalt not commit adultery is Old Testament. And if you're so much against the, uh, the Old Testament, you say, uh, oh, no, that's not for today. There was, years ago, it was ant called antinominalism, and that just meant no law, against law. And so there, there are Christians starting to say, well, look, we're not under law today, so we don't have to have those standards. We're not under law today, we don't have to do this. Uh, We've we got liberty, we've got grace. And now they're doing it, it's the same kind of a thing. They don't, I, I've not heard it labeled yet that way, but that's what it is. It's still antinominalism. When they start abandoning the, the, the standards, oh, what's wrong with those guys? There's nothing wrong with that music. There's nothing wrong with uh, listening to that. There's nothing wrong with going to those movies. There's nothing wrong with doing that, doing this. There's nothing wrong with the social drink. There's nothing wrong with smoke. They go on through the whole line of what their lust is in their flesh to try to justify it, and it's not justified before God. If they justify it in their mind, they have been deceived by Satan supremely, and they're too dumb to know it because they're not walking with God. You see, that's the difference. And so he says, When thou vowest to vow on God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Now, if God calls you a fool, you're a fool. God doesn't lie. And you make a vow to God, then you go back on your vow, you've just lied outright to God, and you are a fool. Now, you say, Preacher, you shouldn't say that. I'm not. I'm just telling you what God said. Okay. Pay that which thou hast vowed. doesn't say, well, don't vow at all. It's not what he says. It's not what he says, don't vow at all. He does say it's better not to vow than to vow and not pay. But actually it's better to vow if God lays something on your heart and he convicts you about something and puts it there in your heart, then vow, okay, Lord, I'll follow that call. Okay, Lord, I'll stop that sin. Okay, Lord. And you make a vow and a promise to God. Okay, that, that is, don't, don't go back on that vow. To say it's better not to vow, it's better that you didn't lie to God. It's a fool that makes a vow and doesn't keep it. Where do you stand? 
Oh, I tell you what, doesn't matter what the ministry is. It may be bus ministry, it may be visitation, uh, and on we could go singing in the choir, music. So many ministries in which you could serve God and be a part of it. He said, better it is thou shouldest not bow, thou shouldest bow and not pay. See, a lot of them use leave off and shouldn't not pay. They said it's better not to bow, and they cut that off. It's better not to bow and then not pay. It's better to, I mean, if you bow and you don't pay, you're a fool. Not because I call you that, because God says that's what you are. Now examine yourselves. See if you be in the faith, as uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us, verse 5. Examine yourselves. See if you be in the faith. Not just saying see if you're saved, but in the faith is that you're living according to the word of God. And then it's wise to bow to God and promise God, but follow through on the promise and you keep on and keeping on the rest of your days. It's not wrong to bow, but it is wrong to bow and not pay. If you say, well, I was just, you know, verse 6 is interesting. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say that thou before the angel that it was an error. Therefore, should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands. You don't want to make God angry. Don't say, oh, I got so caught up in the emotion of the thing, I did it, and, and I said that, but I didn't really mean it. You still lied to God, whether it's in his house or somewhere else. And God says, man, you're being a fool. And I saved you from being a fool. So don't go back to it. Don't go back to it. Now, folks, I know I've said some hard things tonight, but I've only given you God's word. But I can give you one other thing from God. He still forgives. He still cleanses. And if those people are still around that you've sinned against, you have an opportunity to still make it right. And they may get mad. Sometimes I tell people it's better to write a letter to say, hey, I did this. I'm at fault. I want to ask you to forgive me, but I know that you expect more. Please write me and let me know what, or even call me and let me know what more. I want to be right with God and I want to be right with you. What if they say, no, I don't want anything to do with you at all? Then it's in their lap. And anybody that comes to you like that, it's in your lap to forgive them. I mean, you may want to ask a bunch of questions, and that's understandable. You may want to know why. You may want to know other things. You may want to, you may want to know, well, who else is involved in this? But forgiveness, forgiveness. You'll never forgive anyone more than God has forgiven you. Never. 
Don't go online when somebody new joins a church or somebody visits a church or you meet somebody new and find out if there's any valuable thing about them. Just realize the counsels of your heart one day are going to be revealed and how much you're going to enjoy that. And if you're one of those that do go online to try to examine those things, just realize it's going to be worse on you because your motives are wrong. You go online and find something really bad about somebody, then go to them and help them out of it. Using God's Word, encourage them. Well, I'm not going to do that. I don't like what they did. Well, God doesn't like what you did, but He still saved you. Now, you're going to either be Christ-like or you're going to be world-like. It's your choice. Choose the right thing. Don't be a fool. Choose the right thing. It's not just a revival meeting. It's revival. Bringing back to spiritual, consecrated walk, life with God. I want that for each of us. Now notice I said us. I didn't just say for each of you. I said for each of us. That's what I want. Let's bow our heads, please.